Welcome, welcome, welcome. I do love those three words linked together. Well, today we are two shows away from finishing our podcasting season until September. With a lot available during the summer, we're going to post organizational classes all summer long for you to Take an opportunity and look around in your car, your garage, your paperwork, your filing cabinets, your refrigerator, your freezer. I know, no one could have written more about organization than me. But if you knew me many years ago, you would know that no one needed it more than I did. I used to hide my dirty dishes in the clothes dryer. I'm still not proud of that, but I've said it a thousand times, and every time I say it, it's still a shock to myself. (laughs) I think, what was I thinking? Well, there was a lot of good reason for it. But I hope that you will tune in for those shows. They will encourage you. I hope you will take time for some whiteboard time with no scheduled days with your family and your children. And I pray that the Lord will give you resources to do some things that are different than your daily routine. Well, today I want to talk about three words. Stop, rest, period. Stop, rest, period. For any of us who have read anything in spiritual formation in the last 50 years, we are no doubt familiar with Eugene Peterson. And Eugene Peterson is famously known for saying one sentence to John Ortman, who was a pastor in Northern California. And this one sentence, three words, uh, went um, viral. (laughs) It went viral. If it had been in any other uh, form, dispersed in any other way, it would have been considered viral. It went viral because Ortman was deeply moved by it because Peterson was absolutely correct in his terms and because all of us in the trickle-down effect were affected by it. The three words were ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry. I, I don't know about you, saying it, looking at it, reading it, saying it twice, it it has a tendency to take my breath away a little bit. Ruthlessly, like, what does ruthlessly mean? Without any hesitation, with with absolute deep desire, with, with not letting anything get in my way. Ruthlessly, eliminate, take it out, get rid of it hurry. As a young mom, a wise older mom said these words to me, and I've repeated it many times, and every time I repeat it, especially in an audience of young women, I can hear the groan and feel the deep sighing. This woman said to me, never tell your children to hurry up. (laughs) Even I think it takes my breath away, because while it's simply not possible, 
it is a very worthy, and if given any consideration, desirable plan. Wayne Mueller, who is a writer and thinker, he says, because we do not rest, we lose our way. Poisoned by the hypnotic belief that good things come only through unceasing determination and tireless effort, we can never truly rest. And for want of rest, our lives are in danger. There is no complete sentence that would describe my life as a young woman better than that complete sentence. I couldn't sit down. It wasn't because I'd had too much caffeine or because my blood flowed so quickly through my body because I was a fast-paced person. It wasn't that I'm sure I had some level of what is now ADHD, although that certainly wasn't a a consideration. It wasn't even on the list of um, behavioral, uh, behavioral science list. But I believe that if I kept working, if I worked harder, if it was unceasing, if I had tireless effort, if I didn't pause to rest, I would get everything done. I was supposed to get done. I wanted to get done. I dreamed of getting done. People put pressure on me to get done. And it it was, it became a dangerous thing for me. I know there's not enough time in every day or every hour or every minute to do the things that we so often dream of doing. And we read these noble and wise things and we we feel they're deeply um, profound and would be very good for our lives. But the ability to balance these demands in life and to struggle with busy, busyness is, is caught up. We are all caught up with it. The world is out of balance. The world is out of balance. And we get caught up with that madness. I was thinking as I prepared some notes for today about this horrific experience we shared distantly of another massacre in the state of Texas. And I, our heads, our hearts, our schedules, Did you find yourself talking to your children, to your friends, to your spouse? Frankly, it was not on my calendar to take in what real-life circumstances happened. It was not in my calendar to be moved to tears. It was not in my calendar to get rather officious and saying something must be done. It was not in my calendar to have a conversation with someone who's quite notable in my world. And when this person said, well, what do you think we should do? And the, the tone of the previous conversation had to do with gun control. And I said, I think we should get families back in order. And I, I was a little surprised by my response. But I, I realized later I, I was standing with it. I was standing with the fact that every one of the people who offended other human beings on that day um, come from circumstances and situations that there wasn't a family there to protect and provide. 
if there was mental disorder, if there was imbalance, if there was physical or mental illness, a family is there, should be there. There was not a family there. And there's often not a family when we look at these criminal acts of violence. The list of them, which I read to you a few weeks ago in a litany, a prayer for all of the killings, the mass killings, the massacres that have gone on in our country, anything over two people. It was astounding, the number of them in the past two years. They're not on our calendar, but they take a piece of our life. And we have to be prepared for things that are not on our calendar. I thought when I saw this man and heard him described. I thought, here was a man who does not struggle with the pace of life. Um, I, I'm sorry, I lost my train there. I was talking to a monk, and I thought when I was speaking to him, now here's a man that he, he's got it all together. I mean, he's cloistered in a monastery. Every day they know what they're going to do, and, and I had the privilege to talk with him, and, and I, I was stunned. And when he described his own struggle, he said, you know, their order of the men who have come together to live together in this monastery, they have two positions, and that is that they are to do manual labor and they are to do prayer labor. And that's, that's what their lives are all about. So they manually take care of this property themselves. All of the monks work every day in every way. They clean and they vacuum and they sweep and they garden and they plant and they grow. And then because the monastery needs money to take care of itself, they provide products that they produce and they can them and jar them and sell them. And, and, and then I know for a fact that the whole group meets together at least four times a day in a congregation with anyone who might want to come into the church and be with them to pray and to read the Bible. So I think we all struggle with stopping and resting and the tireless way that we think our life should be led. So stop, rest, period. We have stops in our whole life. We have stops driving, stop signs that tell us to stop, red lights that tell us to stop. In our music, we have notes that cause us to stop. In our sentences, we have periods. So we know we need to stop. Without punctuation, words pile up. They don't have any end, and usually they lose their meaning. People stop listening. They stop reading. Punctuation creates limits space and definitions to our thoughts. Stops define clauses, and rests and notes create music. Stopping actually creates order, and it allows for better creation because it brings focus and balance of what really matters. I tell my own story, and when I stop, I find what I have missed. It usually causes me to reflect on the task or the conversation. I meet with women one-on-one for an hour. I always have a half an hour in between my meetings, and I think about my conversation in that half an hour. I brush my teeth. Sometimes I have a cup of tea. 
But when we had kids at home, four kids at one time, my two nephews and niece and our daughter, we tried to do things together. We tried to have a quiet half an hour every day. It was not easy. Sometimes the top is to create a space, the stop, I should say, is to create a space for something else, even a walk, a chair in the corner, something that would cause us to be without distraction. But what works for you is what works for you. But plan a stop. Set a time to stop. When I do stop, I often realize that I'm tired. I need to rest. I need to sleep. Now, anyone who knows me can know that I can sleep anywhere, anytime, as proof that we were in Disneyland when our daughter was a young girl. And I said, I see a bench over there. I have to lay down and take a nap. And my daughter said, Mother, you can't do that. It's embarrassing. I said, Well, you go away. I'll take a nap. Come back for me later. I literally laid down and slept on the bench in Disneyland. The first time I went for a quiet retreat, two and a half days, I did everything right. You know, I I read the little books and I talked to people who had done it. And I got there and I got settled and I grabbed a book and I laid down. And you know the first thing I did? I fell asleep. I did not read. I fell asleep. The quiet, the stop, made me realize how tired I was. I slept for two hours. Statistically, our nation does not sleep enough. The statistics that show how many hours a night the average adult gets in our nation says we do not sleep enough. Night and days are mixed up. Before the glory of technology and electricity, we went to bed when it got dark. Now we have to unplug for some period of time or find some way to find a quiet It's not one day of the week like it used to be on a Sabbath. I had the privilege about 25 years ago to speak to someone who said to me, well, there's one thing that I would encourage you to do. She knew me well, and we were meeting in a venue uh, plan to help me improve the things I was doing in my life. And she said, try taking one day as a Sabbath. And I said, I know what the Sabbath says about the scripture, but in the scripture, but what does the Sabbath really mean? And she said, just try unplugging yourself from everything you normally do. I remember getting ready for that day. I thought, oh my goodness, I normally do this. I normally do that. I normally at 10 o'clock do this. I normally take care of the dishwasher. I normally open the mail. I normally, I normally, and I was now being asked to not do those things. So I thought, well, what do I do if I don't do those things? And I took a yellow legal pad, a pen, my Bible, and myself into a room, and I sat down. I sat in that sofa chair space for at least 45 minutes, wondering what I was going to do, not knowing that what I was doing was not doing anything, and that's what I had come to do. I've been taking a Sabbath rest now for 25 years. People who know me well know not to call me on Wednesday. I think of 52 Wednesdays a year, I probably successfully take 48 Wednesdays. Sometimes we're traveling, sometimes I just can't do it. 
No one misses me. No one knows I'm gone. Except let me tell you that at the end of my Sabbath, I do feel a refreshment. We get our kids to bed so they can rest. We should get ourselves to bed so we can rest. My husband came home over 25 years ago and said, I wonder if you'd consider resting more at night. I was a five and a half or six hour go to bed person. He read some research and came home and espoused it. And I thought, well, I don't need any more rest. Look, I'm doing fine. And I said, would you just try it? Just try it. And what he asked me to do wasn't try to sleep for eight hours. He said, would you just stay in bed for eight hours? I can still physically remember waking up at my normal 5 or 5.15 and thinking, oh no, what am I going to do for the next two and a half hours? And that's what I did. I would sit still. It's still amazing to me when I come to realize that when I take my Sabbath breath, the world does not stop. Everything goes on. It seems as if no one even misses me. Except when I'm done, I feel different. So look at your life. Look at your sleeping pattern. Look at how much time you have alone. Some of you say, Donna Otto, I work five days a week at a job. I do not have the privilege of taking a Sabbath rest. I understand that. I believe that, and I accept that. But could I ask you to take a Sabbath hour? Could I ask you to find a space in your week where you stop, where you rest, Rest is the first casualty to the committed achiever. Can you take an hour's rest to discover how much of an achiever you are or an overachiever you are? One suggestion, try this as an experiment. For one week, go to bed at the same time and get up the same time. Whatever time that is. Go to bed at 9 o'clock, go to bed at 10 o'clock, go to bed at midnight. Doesn't matter. Just for one week. If you don't take the eight hours, if you take the six hours. But go to bed at the same time and get up at the same time. You will remember what stopping and surrendering and sleeping looks like. Sleeping and stopping, resting are forms of surrender. Final. It's finished. It's a period. It's the end of the sentence. It's a period. Period. It's the end of it. It is finished. They constitute a surrender to the rhythm of each day. Is the day ended? Is it over? Is the week over? Is the season over? Is the month over? Is my life over? Is my life getting to the place of it that it is over? I found this wee little prayer that I'm going to read to you as we conclude our time together. Lord, it is night. The night is for stillness. Let us be still in your presence. It is night after a long day. What has been done has been done. What has not been done has not been done. Help us to let it be. The night heralds the new dawn. Let us look expectantly to a new day, new joys, and new possibilities. We ask these things in your name. And I ask you to consider as we look at this end of a school year, the beginning of summer, 
some time when we may have a possibility to take a break from our daily routines. Would you consider stopping, resting, and understanding what it means to conclude? I'm Donna Otto. This is Modern Homemakers. We hope that you will join Modern Homemakers by signing up to receive our few communiques throughout the year. Look at our podcasting schedule and all the things we have offered for you on our website. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of beginning a new rest.